I was about 17 and I was a senior in high school. I was in high school in Jersey. And I remember um, I was going to showcases. Yankee scouts were coming to see me. White Sox scouts, Diamondback scouts coming to see mm-hmm. me in high school, going to their tryouts and them giving me forms to fill out. So like, like a pre-draft questionnaire and all these kind of things, wow. physicals. So I was like in the, in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, this is literally a first experience for everybody in my family. And I remember the day, draft day, 2005 or six, one of those days. And I was going to school. Everybody had an expectation that I was going to be drafted, even if it was going to be late rounds, but I was going to be drafted. And I remember the draft began at 8 a.m., uh, nothing. I kept checking. Um, we didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone at that time. So I was like yeah, checking yeah. like the computer in the school, like going and <laughs> seeing like the, yeah. the internet thing. And by 3 p.m. draft was over. I didn't get a call. I didn't get a message. I didn't get anything. So I remember the feeling mm. of shame when I went home wow. to my dad, All, although he didn't put any pressure on me to yeah. be drafted. That was me putting on myself, but I wanted to be this kind of like savior yeah. piece, not yeah. only with him, but with my family. Um, financially, like all these things, I had this whole thing mapped out. So that was like a huge letdown. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y. Reeves. Men, this way. Can you tell a better story about your greatest disappointments? Could ambition be getting in the way of you actually just enjoying your life? And did you know cacao, yeah, real cacao, like from the plant cacao, can help you connect deeper with an intimate partner, and even with yourself. Well, in this episode, my guest, Brendan Durrell, aka BAM, and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. BAM is actually a new friend of mine. BAM, you'll actually find out in this episode why he is nicknamed BAM, but he's a new friend of mine whom I first met at a meeting of a small private men's group here in Los Angeles called Man Cave Elite brought together by our mutual friend, Preston Smiles. Bam is a former professional baseball player who's still got that big, burly athletic physique, but he is all heart. And the work he's up to in the world today is essentially all about helping humanity awaken to a new understanding of the distinction between cultural masculinity and sacred masculinity. And he regularly collaborates and works alongside transformational figures and organizations such as the Conscious Man Brotherhood, Sacred Sons, Preston Smiles, as I mentioned, Prince EA, and many others. In this episode, Bam and I talk about our cross-cultural experiences of happiness, how ambition often gets in the way. We talk about the gift of disappointment, about the healing power of cacao, And I don't mean that Nestle or Hershey's crap that only pretends to be chocolate so those companies can make more profit. No, we're talking about direct trade from the source cacao complete with enriching cocoa butter solids, consuming that intoxicating elixir for richer, deeper connections to yourself and others. Mmm. Yeah, we talk about all that and more in this episode of Men This Way. So definitely stay tuned for Brendan Durrell, a.k.a. BAM's five key takeaways at the end. 
And if you'd like to write and offer feedback, I always love to hear what you have to say. You can email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. Remember, brian with a Y at brianreeves.com. All right, let's dive. Brandon Durrell, bam. What's up, my man? Welcome to Men This Way. I'm honored to have you, my friend. What up, B? How you doing, Brian? Thanks yeah. for having me, man. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming. It has, man. You look amazing, brother. You're here. You, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm hearing bird sounds in the back. You're glowing. Where the hell are you right now? It just looks amazing where you're at. I'm in the land of eternal spring, as they call it, in uh, Mayan soil in uh, Lake Atilan, Guatemala. Mm, Lake Atilan. Oh, man, there's a lot going on on that lake. Like, it's a really ancient, sacred site, isn't it? I've, I've heard of this place. Never been, though. Yeah, man, super potent here. One of the most powerful places I've been. They say, rumors, that Mayan culture began here. Mm. And, um, and this, there's two volcanoes on this lake, and it's right here. And the actual lake, it's a caldera, so it's an inverted oh, yeah. um, volcano, which is pretty sweet. So it's magic all around, man. And also, anybody who's into modern-day cacao ceremonies, yeah. it all began here in this little lake. Man, I am fascinated by cacao ceremonies. I definitely want to talk about that probably later in this conversation because there's some, I've had some really beautiful experiences with, with full on like cacao ceremony. Mm. I thought a lot of our listeners aren't going to know what the hell that means or what that is. What do you mean? I have hot chocolate all the time. We don't make a ceremony of it, <laughs> but you've been in, uh, so you're in Guatemala. How long have you been there now? I've been here since uh, March 2nd. I came here right before all of this wow. stuff started going down with, uh, with the world. How long did you expect to be there? Two weeks. Man, and how long has it been now? Coming up on three months? Coming up on three months. You look happy, man. So it ain't seem like it, it ain't a bad thing, it was, is it? It was the best thing that ever happened to me, man. We'll, we'll wow. get more into that. Detoxes, everything. It's, I'm, I'm so blessed. Yeah, man. Well, you, you, you're glowing. You look amazing. I know, I know a lot of our listeners can't see you, but we'll actually... Uh, uh, if you want to see this video, what, what I'm looking at, and I mean, you can hear the bird song. And I mean, it's, it's just, I can see the reflection in the window. I mean, you got a great background there, Bam, but uh, the reflection in the, in the window, I'm seeing a lot of greenery going on, a lot of palm, a lot of some, some kind of yeah. I don't know, it's just green bush is what I'm seeing. It looks beautiful. Yeah, man. And one little tip I want to give you, man, you can use this like in your little, I always use the hashtag men who self care. Um, after you eat a mango, save the pit and the skins and rub it on your face, uh, literally. Okay. Rub the mango skin on your face, and then the pit, it has, it's also pretty coarse, so you can kind of like exfoliate and do all this, man. Like, I'm, I'm into men who self-care. <laughs> that's my thing, so that's part men of the- Men who self-care, hashtag men, men self -care. who self-care. Yep. I like this, I really like this. Mango, I actually have some mango butter, like, like full-on mango I bought from a, a store in Maryland when I went to visit, and uh, it's actual, like, it's like kind of a chunky mango butter, like it's from mango, I guess I don't know what part of the mango that's from. So, but you're so you're you're bathing in mango daily. Mango, banana peels, like I'm telling you, like okay. the earth. We'll get into earth has a lot of things okay. that we can use for for our bodies. So All yeah, right. man. Okay. Hashtag men who self care. And again, <laughs> I'm gonna be putting this video, uh, the video of this, on YouTube, and there'll be some promos of it, uh, some little clips, three to five minute clips on uh, like Instagram and Facebook. So if you're listening to this, and uh, just go go check those out on any of my Facebook. Instagram channel or on my YouTube channel. So, ma'am, I'm so excited to dive in with you, man. Let's begin here to help our audience learn a little bit more about you. Tell us about a significant event or experience that happened in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. Mm. 
I don't know the, the actual age, but I remember um, my parents divorced and I grew up in inner city, New York, New Jersey. Around, around what age did they divorce? Um, I was about probably like, I'd say two to three. I was really okay. young. Yeah, okay. I was really young. My sisters, my older, my siblings remember it more. Yeah. So I don't have any recollection, but I remember my, my parents being split for most of my life. But I remember being doing the Monday through Friday thing with my mom and then the weekends with my dad. And growing up in inner city, New York and Jersey, there's always been a stigma about black dads don't show up for their kids and mm -hmm. all these things. And my dad totally eradicated that whole persona. He was there for us regardless of anything. He was working a, a really good job in the city in Manhattan and long hours. And he would always show up for me on wow. Friday afternoons, pick me up and bring me to Jersey. Yeah. And just from an early age, I learned commitment in that way. Although I didn't understand the nuances of their marriage and why things didn't work, yeah. I still knew that I had a man who loved me and would go above and beyond for me. So that right there set the tone for me when a lot of my friends in the hood, they didn't mm -hmm. have that. They didn't have yeah. that. So that, that definitely imprinted me going forward. Is your dad still alive today? He is. Blessfully so. He is. Where does he live? He lives in North Carolina now. He moved down there a couple of years ago. Okay. How's your relationship with him today, if I may ask? Oh, so good. Like, so good. Like, wow. we've always been like brothers. Um, I come from a heavy sports background, and he mm -hmm. was the dad who would bring me to games and all this. And we'll talk about it more. I went into yeah. a period where I started growing exponentially, yeah. and I went away, and I, had, I didn't go home for years, and we kind of had a disconnect. So we had to recreate our relationship based on where I am now with spirituality and personal development. Yeah. But we're tight. We're super tight. Man, I, I get chills hearing about it because it's such a rare thing. I remember I was uh, facilitating a group of probably about 50 men. It was an, it was an online course, a bunch of men. I was, I was, just, I was guest, guest facilitating, so I didn't really know these men very well. But I remember asking the question of these men, how many of you feel, oh, what was the exact question I asked? It was, I can't remember the exact question, but it was something to the effect of how many of you men feel like your father was there present showing you the way growing up, something to that effect. And of 50 men, one man raised his hand and another man kind of waffled his hand like, eh, you know, and these were probably a lot of white men, but there were black men, Indian men, Asian men. There was a, it was a good group. And, you know, I'm white. My dad left when I was four. And he was kind of present, but mostly not. So, you know, just, man, I get chills, bam, hearing you talk about it because there's a part of me that's, I'm both envious, but I'm so grateful to even just like, you know, be in conversation with a man who had that experience because it's mm -hmm. like, it's like it get, it's in your DNA, I think. It's like it gets infused into your cells. You know, I know you work with a lot of men. So you see this all the time, man, the, the father wound. So I guess what I'm, I don't know if there's a question here. Maybe we'll kind of find our way along the way. I just want to acknowledge that, that it just, I feel deeply touched, man, to just hear, just pleases me. I, it feels healing in my own body to hear that your, your relationship with your father is solid and that he was there for you. And, you know, even though they divorced and all that. So I want to honor you and honor your father. Appreciate that. I got tears in my eyes right now because I feel it, feel it. And I, I don't reflect as much as I probably should on it. And also the fact that he didn't even have to go through the legal system to be able to show up for me. That wasn't like his thing to be like, hey, the court said I have to do this, so I'm gonna do it. He did it because he wanted to. So yeah, man, thank you for seeing, seeing me and seeing us in that. Yeah, absolutely, man. So baseball, okay. So, cause I know this, you, you shared with me. I mean, we know we've, we're in a, a group together, a, a men's elite group, we like to call ourselves together. 
so baseball was a big part of your life, right? Professional baseball. But I also know that the, the way that that played out wasn't the way you wanted it to. So, so tell me that. T- take us on that journey. What happened for you? Yeah, man. That was another, I guess, referring to uh, the first thing you asked me, um, what really shaped my life going forward. This was more in my teenage years. Like baseball was something that my mom and dad put me into just to like essentially keep me off the streets to give me something to do after school, you know? Yeah. It wasn't like a thing like I had no baseball players in my family. Like no, everybody was basketball or football. And that's natural to the environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. So baseball was like a far-fetched thing. So it became a big part of my life. And I remember um, with no kind of teaching in Little League, I was one of the best kids. I remember I was coming up to the plate and I just hit one of those little rubber T-balls to the fence where all the kids were barely hitting it out of the infield. And then my coach goes, oh, he's like Bam Bam from the Flintstones. And that's how Bam came okay, along. Okay, there we go. So like yeah. through a lot of things, that was like the first times in my life that I really started feeling, I guess, validated, seen yeah. as a child. So I just kept it going and it was super fun for me just to smash a baseball. Yeah. So whatever emotionally I might've been through as a child, like with, with everything, I found homage in baseball in that game. So go well, imagine forward, also, we, I imagine also just want to like when you're that age and you do something that the adults celebrate, it's like, there's a big reward there. I mean, you get love, you get validation, you get this sort of like the, almost a benediction from the adults that, wow, he's special. Yes. So build that into it. Right. Yes. Super. Yeah, that's absolutely. And that's, that's what it was. So validation was coming from actual uh, physical thing, which yeah. later on didn't really uh, serve me as, as well as it should have. Yeah. But yeah, so I just kept it. It was a fun thing and I enjoyed it. And I was unique in where I was, where I was from because I was the only one playing baseball like that. But I remember um, I stuck with it through, I played travel ball. I did all those things that the American kids might do if they're in a sport. And I was about 17 and I was a senior in high school. I was in high school in Jersey. And I remember um, I was going to showcases. Yankee scouts were coming to see me, White Sox scouts, Diamondback scouts coming to see Mm -hmm. me in high school, going to their tryouts and them giving me forms to fill out. So I like a pre-draft questionnaire and all these kind of things, physicals. So I was like in the in the mix. And this is this is literally a first experience for everybody in my family. And I remember the day draft day, I believe it was June 7th, like. 2005 or six, one of those days. And it's going to school. Everybody had an expectation that I was going to be drafted, even if it was going to be late rounds, but I was going to be drafted. And I remember the draft began at 8 a.m. Uh, nothing. I kept checking. Um, we didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone at that time. So I was like yeah, checking yeah. like the computer in the school. Like going, <laughs> seeing like the, the internet thing. And by 3 p.m. draft was over. I didn't get a call. I didn't get a message. I didn't get anything. So I remember the feeling mm. of shame when I went home wow. to my dad. All, although... He didn't put any pressure on me to be drafted. That was me putting on myself, but I wanted to be this kind of like savior piece, not only with him, but with my family, uh, financially, like all these things. I had this whole thing mapped out. So that was like a huge letdown. And what age are you right now? You're probably like 17, 18, (laughs) 16. Uh, I was at like, I was 17. 17, yeah. Yeah, 17, right before uh, going to college. That's that's right at the age that we want to be the hero. Yes. We want to play the hero. Absolutely. And looking back now, I realized me playing baseball was, yes, I enjoyed it, but I was in it more for to be that hero. 
to be that yeah. savior for my family, to be yeah. the one who my mom doesn't have to live check by check. My dad doesn't have to live check by check. I can maybe do it this way. So yeah, I was super disappointing. My father, super supportive, family, super supportive, friends, all cool. So I was like, okay, I'm going to junior college. And I played there, got a beautiful scholarship to a four-year school in Oklahoma. And then after that, I, I was blessed enough to play independent minor league baseball. Signed my first pro contract and I played in Hawaii, California, I even played internationally in Japan, Australia, Germany. So this, this thing shaped me going forward. It didn't break me. Felt like it broke me emotionally when I didn't get drafted, but yeah, yeah. it was all in God's plan as we can say. Yeah, when I was 16, I think, I was, I'd applied for a military, for a scholarship to college, to university through the Air Force. And I, I wanted to be a pilot. And I'll never forget the day after my physical, after everything I'd gone through to just, you know, get this on. I had a full ride scholarship. I got that. But the day I got my papers that said I am not pilot qualified was devastating. Absolutely fucking devastating. I'll never forget sitting in my backyard holding that piece of paper, just like the life I dream of is over. Yet it was the best thing that ever happened to me at the same time. So, all right. So the dream, so it's taking shape. You're playing ball, you're traveling, you're getting like, okay, this is working. I'm having, I'm assuming you're having a good time. You're, you're smashing the ball. And I get it, man. It's a weird thing for us men to just smash a ball. There's so much satisfaction in, in, in there. <laughs> <It's bizarre. laughs> I smash rocks. It's just like a caveman thing. Uh, <laughs> I know women, a lot of women, and a lot of, a lot of men too. Don't, it's like, what is that about that? That like I could just throw a ball back and forth with anyone who'll do it with me for hours, and I'm so happy. I don't know what that is. That is a some primal hunting shit. I know it's what it is. I think the realms of intimacy if women can see how simple we really are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's magic. So where did this go then? How, went, why aren't you playing baseball today? I was riding that wave. It went from being a passion to actually wanting to play and have chances of being signed by a major league club to just having opportunities to play internationally and then seeing new cultures, new lands, new yeah. places, new countries. Mm. So it, it shifted like my, my whole persona because in the States and the whole baseball system, I'm not going to get into it, but it's um, there's kids who can do what I do at 18 years old when I'm 27, you know, and they're just more youthful. And even though 27 is not old, but in the sports world, you know, yeah. you're getting up there as prime. Yeah. Yeah. So I understood that. I understood the business aspect. So I was like, you know what? This thing, baseball, has gotten me so far. Maybe my major leagues is going to Australia, going to Japan, meeting this person. Mm -hmm. Because all the no's that I got in the past, like they led to all these yeses going to these different places. And people that I still talk to now, like actual family. I've been to this baseball pretty much set the stage for me traveling to over 40 countries. Not playing in all of them, but just the fact that like I was out there in the world. Yeah. So, so it transformed to that. I love how you, you told, I heard a new story emerging that my major leagues was playing, you know, minor league ball in Japan and Australia and Hawaii. Like, yeah, that's really profound, man. I, I tell a new story. If you don't like the story you're living, tell a new story. <laughs> exactly. Tell, tell a better story. Yep. Yeah, man, that's profound. So, okay. So you're traveling to all these cultures. When I got out of the military at 26, you know, I put on a backpack. I was dead to the world, man. I was useless in my, my mental state. So I put on a backpack, went and jumped over to Europe. And man, the next few years was a whirlwind of I was in Egypt and Australia and India and, and all over Europe. And so I'm curious, what's happening to you? So you're now traveling, experiencing all these different cultures. What's happening for you in that? Like what's starting to awaken in you? 
human connection and the human condition and seeing how I've been in this bubble of America doing these yeah. things. And, and as the saying goes, life goes on. And it's literally going on in the world around us all the time in, in such unique ways. So, for example, let's say going to Japan, like with my former club, seeing how people live there, seeing the structures, the architecture, the foods, the, the colors. I'm like, my brain is just like ticking off. Like, wow, mm -hmm. this is literally happening as I'm in America, like in mm -hmm. the weight room. And so mm -hmm. just meeting these people and then going, say, going to Bali for the first time, meeting people who don't have much. People say that they're poor. They're not poor. A lot of these people, they're broke financially, but they're not poor. Poor to me is an emotional state. So I met these people who would give me their shirt off their back and their last bowl of rice. And I'm like, wow, well, I should be doing this to them, but they're doing this to me with open arms, not expecting anything in return. Yeah. Why? So that was like just shifting something in my mind and like this altruistic type of DNA strand in my body of like, yeah. man, we're all the same. Underlining like people smile and people want to be loved. Yeah, I've had that same experience. And when I was in Egypt, I remember um, I got to, I was there for about three months and I was living with different families. And I remember living with a very, I would say middle-class, middle-class Egypt is not, it doesn't have a, that's, that's poor by American standards. And uh, man, they were just, they gave me everything, everything and anything they thought I might need or whether I wanted it or not, they gave it to me. <laughs> and I stayed then with a, a wealthy family near the pyramids and they were lovely people. But I did not experience the same kind of joy, the same kind of generosity, the same kind of, it was a whole different experience that really, it ne it's never left. Even to this day, I can remember sitting in that, that, that really almost palatial home. I mean, the, the, one of the, the great pyramids of Giza was, was framed by my bedroom window. And I remember just sitting there with uh, one of the, the sons and he was you know, probably 30, in his 30s. And... We're looking out at the street below and there's a lot of fun going on down there. You know, the, the poor folk, just this lively community. They're having, they're talking a lot, having a great time. And here he and I are sitting here. We're quiet. We're not really talking. There's not a lot of engagement going on. There's, it just, it didn't seem, it's just a lot, the vitality I noticed was, yeah. that's what really marked me about that. You're in Guatemala now. What are you experiencing in the culture there? I don't know if you get to get outside of the the walls much. I don't know what's going on down there right now with this whole pandemic. I mean, shit, man, I don't know what the heck is going on down there, but what do you experience in Guatemala? What are you noticing? Man, it's me. It's the same. It's uh, and we have certain curfew hours here right now, but it's not like lockdown, you know, there's only so much lockdown you can do to the, the local indigenous people. Then they're like, essentially, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm seeing people and I'm still walking past local indigenous every day who speak Kachikel, Mayan, most mm. of them. They still speak the original dialect and they're trying to make it, man. Like they're just trying to make it. And when they see me, they don't treat me any differently. It's just like, hola, como estas? Boom, boom. I yeah. So like, I still see the love in their eyes. You know, what, what occurs for me as we're just talking about this, it almost seems like it's tied to, I, I, I notice the thing that I, I guess the distinction I'm noticing is it's like a matter of ambition. Mm -hmm. Almost like the, the more ambition, and I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there, see what you think about it. It's like the more ambition a people or a person has, the less generous we tend to be, I tend to be. Mm -hmm. When I'm really caught up in my ambition, you know, it's, it's like I don't have time to just slow down and share a meal and offer. It's like, I got, I'm marshalling all my resources for the achievement of this goal. I'm, I, I, ain't, I ain't got time to share these resources. Yes. I noticed the more my life, I've, I've reached this sort of a, a place in my life where I feel I've lived so long in the longing. 
man. Mm. I've lived so long in the longing. And here I am 46, just turned 46 a few days ago. I feel like I have everything I've ever longed for. The mm. challenge for me is to now enjoy it. Yes. Really enjoy it. And that is a challenge because I grew up, I grew up with ambition. Mm. I mean, like, you know, baseball, being a big baseball player. I mean, every kid's dream is to play in the major leagues. So, and you're, and here you are now, man. I mean, you look so happy. Like you just glowing. You're in Guatemala for two months, for almost three months now with who God knows when you're going to leave there, which seems like a suit you just find. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing there? Tell us more. I'll take us, let's, let's talk about what, what you're doing there. What's with what, what, yeah, cacao. Man. Let's dive into that. First of all, I just want to speak into what you're saying about the ambition and the long Yeah, like please. I, 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 re, I resonate with that because I, that's been me. It's been, and I feel that's also a collective masculine energy. It's just longing complete, longing complete. And I've been in that. And something that I've been doing, just being present, that's what this place teaches me. And I, I also lived in Africa for over a year. Mm. I lived in Uganda, which changed my life as well. But being here, it's like, say like simple things, a, a practicing Thing that I do, it's like, let's say we go to a restaurant in LA and the bill's going to be like 60, 70 bucks. And then we're going to have to tip as well for two people. What I see a lot of people who are in this community, some expats, it's like when they go to a restaurant, they start to change their consciousness with when it comes to blessing people and showing up for people. So it's like, if I'm going to give somebody a $15 tip in the States, because it's the percentage, I'm going to do that here as well. And mm. I get a lot of sometimes backlash from people. Oh, don't do that. You're making it harder for us. Well, I'm making it harder for you because you're not willing to expand your altruistic state of being and giving to people. Mm. So let's say I give people like, uh, I'll tip them what I tip somebody in America. Because mm. for me, I'm tired of this like, oh, they're, they, they make this much money, so they deserve this much. Right. So I take this mentality into just mm. how I show up and I'm around these, these, these people here because mm. they deserve everything that, that we get. If it's not physically, emotionally, they deserve mm. to get what I give other people. Mm. Mm-hmm. So um, I resonate with that. And it's taught me to be present yeah. more and to slow down and actually chew my food, <laughs> yeah. chew my yeah. food and, and make yeah. eye contact with people in these yeah. spaces. So thank you for bringing that up, man, because, um, yeah, longing is, is something that drained me up until recently. Well, man, what you just said, I chew my food. When I was in the military, I remember uh, basic training for officers, officer training. When we would go to the cafeteria, they gave us seven minutes to not just eat our food, seven minutes to grab our tray, get, go through the line, get our food, sit down, eat our food, clean. Like we seven minutes in and out, seven fucking minutes, man. Wow. And talk about, you know, use that word, that masculine ambition, outcome oriented. And that's, you know, the military is sort of the ultimate expression of masculine being just all outcome, no presence in the moment, no body, no emotion, no feeling, just machine outcome go. Wow. Seven minutes, dude, which means all, you know, I probably had four minutes to eat a meal. Wow. What does that do to the body? <laughs> this connection right there, man. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now in Guatemala, I'm just, um, it's been a, it's, this has been the most healing in my life I've ever had collectively. And it's, um, I've always like, let's say I, I've explored with plant medicines. I've done things up until the last two years has been when I've been um, experimenting and experiencing and being here now, I, I came like, um, I gained a few pounds, few kilos over the past year. Cause I was traveling all around the world last year for the most part. And here I just, 
met people who I met this woman who's an herbalist naturopath. She's had me on these distinct herbs for the, almost three months, like kidney flushes, liver flushes, lung stuff. Like I've never done, I never eaten this much plants in my life wow. and it's changed everything for me. Um, I've sat combo for the first time. I've done like temescal, uh, which is like a heated Mayan womb massage inside of a sauna. It's, I've done all these things. And I, and the main thing is that I just been able to sit after these things not just do them and keep going. I've been able oh, to sit yeah. and actually, I guess this, the word is uh, integrate yeah, um, yeah. what I've been experiencing. So this yeah. time of like how mm. the, the world state is, wow. I feel for so many people yeah. who are going through a lot of grief and sadness and pain because of lost loved ones. But for me, it's been personally, it's been super healing for me just to sit still. Oof, man, just to, just to hear you again, describe that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I meditate every morning, 10 to 20 minutes, do my yoga, um, but then within a short period of time, I'm into the busyness of the day and just hearing you describe doing these different uh, self-care practices, which all that's all meditation and yoga in the morning is a self-care practice and it, getting to just sit and because it's, it's a lot of it's the afterglow. It's in the it's in what happens after that, that the real magic is. It's not really necessarily in the meditation itself. It's what that sets up for my body to experience in the day to come. Absolutely. Creating that space. A, a lot of men who I personally work with, some of them don't even like, they can't comprehend meditation. So I just have them sit and just contemplate, just sit yeah. in the chair and just look at the trees yeah. and don't have your phone, just contemplate. <laughs> you can yeah. contemplate. Yeah. Men are good at that. We're good at just, <laughs> what was it, yeah. Plato and all the Greek dudes, right. they were just like yeah. contemplating. Huh. Just huh. Go, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. Make them know. <laughs> we, should, we should create a hum meditation, bro. Together. Yeah, I like that. Men who can't meditate. Hmm. 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 Yeah, just that. Oh, that's good. That's so good. So cacao. Let's dive into cacao because man, talk again, this is like the opposite of the doing, the masculine, the have been uh, what's the word I want to look at? Collaborating with the men in uh, Norway to do a retreat in Norway in the summer. We had to cancel it this summer, but last summer we had a we had a cacao ceremony that was led by one of co-founders of that retreat as well. And and this, I think this was probably the best cacao ceremony I'd ever been a part of. What is cacao? What's the point of a cacao ceremony? Bam! What are we doing? What are we talking about here for the listeners? I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> so first off, cacao it's a fruit. It comes from a tree. And it's what chocolate comes from. A lot of people don't, don't know that chocolate comes from a fruit. It comes from an actual tree. And um, this tree is like super magical too. If you ever just Google or whatever search engine you use, Google cacao pods. It looks like these little alien looking things, man. Mm. They're beautiful colors, vibrant. It looks like an alien egg, legit. Um, there's a delicious mm. fruit inside that you can eat around the, the seed, the bean. Mm. And the bean from that fruit is actually what's processed and becomes chocolate. It, go, it dates back four, five, six thousand years, probably longer than that. Yeah. Here in, uh, in Central America, um, the Olmec tribe is one of the first ever to use it, dating back to 5,000 years ago because they found compounds of it in like clay. But anyway, with, uh, with cacao, it's, it's not the store-bought one. It's not the ones you get from Trader Joe's. It's not the one you get from Whole Foods in a little bag. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not Nestle. It's not Hershey. Definitely it's, not uh, Nestle or Hershey. Hell no. Uh, oh, hell not. And no. we'll talk like a little bit about those. Like most of the world's chocolate comes from West Africa. 70% of the world's chocolate comes from West Africa. And there's a lot of, they call it fair trade, but a lot of, there's still a lot of abuse within the mm. fair trade scheme. 
actual really high grade cacao comes from direct trade businesses direct trade okay direct trade right with women's collectives and that's what happens here mm. so with this delicious bean they they bring them they roast them and they have these beautiful mayan women here called the tostadores and these women their job is to peel the beans after they're roasted hand peel them every single one and then they put them through this whole machine process and let's say how hershey and all these nestle's they might keep the process going stripping the bean of all its nutrients they stop the process halfway through here, which keeps all the compounds and keeps all the naturally occurring cacao butter, hmm. which is inside of like a block of cacao, where yeah. other companies take it out because they separate it because it's big money for big business for co the, the cosmetic industry. They sell yeah. off that for others to make more money and they're not going to make more money with their chocolate. I get it. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, about so pro just, doubling it, profits. About, absolutely. Yeah. They're monetizing on every aspect. The people are satisfied yeah. with the sugary. We take out That's the compounds, right. add more sugar. They're happy yeah. with that. And then we'll sell the cacao butter to the cosmetic, cosmetic industry. Got it. Okay. So the cacao that I use, um, and the thing of cacao ceremony in general, there's a man here named Keith Wilson. He's like a, to me, he's the father of modern day cacao ceremonies because there's no data or history based on ancient tribes using cacao as a ceremony. That wasn't a thing in all of the research. But Keith lives here in San Marcos, La Laguna, and it's a very spiritual community. I say spiritual is quote unquote, because to me, life is spiritual, yeah. but it's a spiritual community here. And to get people to come to his porch and drink cacao with him, he started saying, hey, come have a cacao ceremony, because he also mm -hmm. understood the benefits of mm -hmm. this medicine, because not only that it's uh, physically good for your body, like esoterically, ethereally, it's, it supports movement, meditation, other things, creativity. It's, it's just this powerful packed thing. I started using it first because of the sports. It's a, it's a vasodilator. So it expands your blood vessels and you get more oxygen to your brain. You get more oxygen to your body. And it has a compound that scientists called anandamide. And anandamide is referred to as the bliss molecule. As we know, chocolate's an aphrodisiac. Yeah. But in a full like ceremonial grade block, that anandamide hits you like a ton of bricks in the most euphoric way. Very little caffeine. So if you're looking to get off coffee, this is a beautiful substitute for coffee because it's like less than a, a cup of decaf from the Guatemalan cacao here. But you get about three to five hours of energy. So that's the way I came into cacao, man. It was just the physical benefits. And then I realized, I was like, how come I'm getting emotional now as I meditate? So, so look, that's the, I love that because you, it's like it was the ambition that brought it to you. Like, yes. This is going to make me more powerful. I'm going to turn me into a superhero. I'm going to be able to smash that ball even farther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get more reps in my sets. And that's, that's okay. That's what often brings us to these thresholds. Yeah. And so... Here you okay you and so now you just said wait why am I feeling what were you saying yeah I was like why am I feeling all like and we would say like joking around why well, I'm feeling all soft right now man I'm <laughs> soft as hell <laughs> you know in the, in the in this Norway men's retreat that collaborating with that cacao ceremony we did it on the day of the lover archetype when we're exploring mm -hmm. the lover masculine archetype the mm -hmm. lover that was sort of the linchpin of that day is the cacao ceremony so yes. I'm feeling you man keep going yeah. And so it's, uh, I started feeling like this overwhelming sense of emotions coming up, things that I haven't felt. I've always, let's say, been in like my lover aspects of my lover. I've been in aspects of my magician in the realms of archetypes. Yeah. But this is like a whole new level because it wasn't conceptualized. It was like I'm, right. I'm, these emotions are being actioned right now. And I mm. feel it's being triggered by drinking this freaking damn cup mm. of chocolate. And it's not like the, you know, I've done ayahuasca and DMT and psilocybin, all those, and those, those have an intensity and an overwhelming, they knock you into another stratosphere type of experience. But cacao is more subtle. Very subtle. 
Yeah, man. Very. This is how we speak about it. And as uh, Keith and, and the community, they speak about this cacao. It's like the spirit of cacao leads you to the door, but doesn't push you in. Whereas these mm. other medicines like oh, just yeah. kick you in the back and you go tumbling <laughs> down the mountain. That's a great, great, great metaphor, great analogy. They just fucking, yeah, they, they shove ah. you, boom. They Spartan kick you off the, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, man, so okay. it doesn't do that. Very subtle. It just brings a sense of just like self introspection. Like I, you want to explore. Things become a lot more um, uh, euphoric in how you deal with it. Like if you're working, it's like you're really tapped in. Like a lot of creatives and, and musicians mm. drink cacao for this reason as well. Mm. And so, yeah, man, it's, it's just this whole, this, everything just hit me at once, physical, emotional, and spiritual with just drinking cacao. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've, I've, having participated in cacao ceremonies, it is not store-bought cacao mixed with water. Like it is a buttery, rich, thick, yeah. Oh, you got some right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'm curious. So do you drink it consistently every day? When I haven't, I mean, since I'm here, like, yeah. like that man, Keith Wilson and his, uh, his, his tired, his workshop with the local workers, they're like a few houses down. So I'm just, I'm just, I have it all the time, but generally at least a few times a week. I used to do it all the time, but now it's like, I say the spirits within me, like how you might do ayahuasca and like it's the essence is in you already. Same thing with cacao. One thing that I love about this medicine is that because of that experience that I had, with it, I do some work with the Sacred Sons, with Conscious Man Brotherhood, yeah, and, yeah. and and I, I led I led two cacao ceremonies with Sacred Sons at their convergences. Yeah, and, and how um, many men are there? There's a lot of men at that. <laughs> yeah, like like uh, we get over a hundred men who come to these convergences. Yeah, and for my ceremony, there was about sixty men in there. Yeah, that I served, prepared to serve cacao to, and yeah. literally, and I can like I can attach this clip like for this uh, episode. Uh-huh. There's a dope ass clip of about 60 men singing Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, <laughs> arm in arm. And we're like rocking and shit. Because I was DJing. I was DJing the dance part after I the cat. Yeah. I will always love you. Yeah. Bro, it was fascinating. I was yeah, like, yeah, this literally, it. a lot yeah. of things contributed to that. But this was to me like what the cacao spirit represents. And with masculinity and men, yeah. it's a beautiful segue because uh, I'm sure you know, like, this is what you do the polarities yeah. of the mass and femme within us. Yeah. I feel cacao supports that polarity within us yeah i i love that you said like, it brings you to the door but it doesn't shove you through i mean this is what you know alcohol that's probably the main go-to that men especially and women too when they're really disconnected from that embodied feeling experience that alcohol is the great shortcut to feminizing the body but it's it can overwhelm the system you know they call it spirits alcohol spirits it invokes yes. the spirit right mm-hmm. so but cacao again i love the subtlety of it you know i don't want to give too much away about about our retreat but yeah it was you know 28 guys kind of in a cozy with each other you know yes. for in a really beautiful safe way where we could just drop into our being our hearts and being our, mm-hmm. our that again experience that lover archetype in a way that again is safe and vulnerable and boundaried and contained and man we're i'm dying for it we're dying for it we men we're dying for it and, and the shortcuts porn is another one i think that we use yes. a lot right porn yes. alcohols uh, recreational drugs of all varieties and how do we get the real cacao on the shelves you could just google it uh, i i have trusted sources who i've used for the past three and a half years like of course i use keeps cacao because yeah. this man actually goes into like the forest up here okay. in the, the volcanoes and he doesn't get cacao from every single 
place. And actually this cacao here from Guatemala, it's not farmed. A lot of cacao in like West Africa, different places, they're farm grown trees. The cacao specifically from this area, they're from wild trees. There's no fertilizer, there's no nothing. Local yeah. families go and just pick the pods. And then when that tree's done, they let it grow and they go to this tree. It's 100% like natural. And that's what I love about it. So can we actually put a link to... Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So in the show notes, then you, you give me a link, bam. Yep. And, and in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast, uh, we'll have a link where you can, cause I, I want, I want some, I want to, I want to have a ceremony with my lady. That's what I'm saying. Like, like this is powerful too, for all you brothers out there listening. And even, uh, and ladies, it's, um, I, I've invited former clients, uh, men I've coached to like create a space at least once a week with cacao, with your, with your partner. And just connection because it's so powerful, man. And and I and I do things with with men. Like say you mentioned masturbation and porn and these things. Yeah. I work with men with with sexual energy. So the first thing I have them do, it's like, okay, you working with me? Order this cacao, and then we'll get to working. Uh-huh. We I, I incorporate cacao into the sessions because, as you mentioned, you just get in this heart space, like intimate self space. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's profound for for men's work. Profound. Interesting, man. We could talk for hours and I, there's a few more questions that I would definitely want to cover with you, dive into with you, and then we'll finish with the five key takeaways. But I'm just really excited for, to start experimenting with cacao in my own life and with my partner. And cause we're, we're, you know, she's a deeply feeling being, and I tend to be more disconnected from my feelings, you know, just the, the momentum of growing up a boy in this world and then being in the military trauma in childhood, divorce, nobody helping me feel that, you know, so stuffing it all in for, and that has a lot of momentum. And a lot of my practice as a man, especially these last 10 years has been feeling my feelings, feeling what is there to be felt. And I've used, you know, psilocybin and, and ayahuasca, these different medicines have really, really helped and served me. I even microdose, experiment with microdosing psilocybin and all that. But, you know, my partner and I still is one of those challenges that remains for us is how do we consistently connect in ways that we both can really feel. You know, we're five years in it. We love each other. We're crazy about each other and we're doing really well. And, and still that, you know, deepening of connection is, is something that both of us still are you know, experimenting with and excited to create. So I'm really fascinated, man. Yeah, Thank man. you for... I'm excited for you two to, to get on that because I, I know for sure, like I signed my name to it. You guys will explore different like ways of connecting and feeling like I've experienced it, man. Yeah, that's beautiful, I, man. I'm excited. I'm excited about that. All right. Here's a question that I want to ask you then. Maybe we'll, we'll have to just do a whole other conversation sometime. I'd love to hear, you know, talk more about your working with men and to dive into that. I think there's a lot of richness to explore there. So I don't want to, I don't even want to get started on that right now. And let's, so let's save that for another conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me finish with this question and then we'll move into the five key takeaways. This is the question. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing men today? And what wisdom could you offer in the face of it? The biggest challenge I feel that's facing men today is a variety, but the biggest one for me is having outlets of expressing. We've had outlets of expressing via masculine ways, but never like through feminine ways. And what I mean by that, I mean like an actual pillar of, let's say, expressing through art, expressing through dance. A lot of you brothers listening to this, you probably open up Instagram and see women dancing and stuff like recording videos, dancing. Men, we don't do that. And to me, it's just, it's normalizing expression. When I lived in Africa, I remember this one story, this kid comes into my office. I was teaching PE at international school. And he comes into my office like crying. He goes, ah, and his friend's next to him, his two boys. And he goes, 
I told him to stop crying. My dad said that boys aren't supposed to cry. And then like, and I was like, hold up for a second. I was snatch his little kid. And I was like, I was like, really? Your dad said that? I said, but how come we have tears the same way girls have tears? How, how come? How come we have the same thing? And then he was like, I don't know. My dad said it. So I feel yeah, yeah. the biggest thing men are facing is that we've been under attack since we were children. And a lot of times men who are fathers listening to this, like there's still instances where we're putting our children under an energetic attack per se with conditioning. And women do this as well. I've seen it all the time with women when I'm back home in different places, like say like a little boy fell off his bike and he scraped yeah. his knee and he's crying. And the yeah. woman's like, stop crying. Yeah. Nah, you let this boy cry. Yeah. So I feel the masculine has been under attack. It's getting better, but it's been under yeah. attack. So that produces men who don't know how to express in a healthy way. We either shut down or we overly express in masculine ways, which isn't conducive to the new condition of the femininity in this world. Yeah. Where it's going. Yeah, man. I, I think that's really beautiful. It's, it's so important. I think the challenge for us as men, as fathers, as brothers, as friends, you know, looking at our friends because I, I think it's, uh, I love to sort of dance in paradox a lot. And like the kid who falls off the bike, you want to help him get back on the bike and get going. I get that. And that, that has its place. But, but to bypass the disappointment, like this kid needs to know what feeling disappointment is like, what mm. feeling failure than the, and the pain, like it serves him to just feel those feelings and then get back on the bike. Yes, that's it. And that's something we didn't experience as kids. Because no. even if somebody didn't tell us to stop crying, we tried to because we thought we were going to be made fun of for crying. Because we were made fun of, for sure. We were made fun of. Absolutely, man. Yeah, and I, last thing I want to say about this, when I lived in, in, in Africa, in Uganda, a lot of villages, not so much in Kampala anymore, but a lot of different villages, they had this custom where, let's say me and you meet each other, boom, and we give each other like a handshake. It's not like a firm American shake where you're like squeezing the fuck out of somebody's hand. It's like just, how you doing? And then we start talking. And then our hands go down, but they're still locked. Uh, yeah. and, and we're walking through the village talking about how life is. And we're yeah. still holding hands. So you'll see men actually yeah. holding hands, walking yeah. through the villages. Yeah. And this first happened to me and in Uganda with one of the kitchen workers. And we were talking and he just kept holding on my hand. And his thumb was here. And he's kind of like caressing it a bit. And this is what they do to each yeah. other. And at first I was like coming from the States. I was like, yo, <laughs> what is this dude doing, man? Like he thinks yeah. I'm gay. Like I, yeah, I had this yeah. whole thing come that through crazy? me. And then I realized I asked one of the people there. And like, oh, no, this is what they do. These guys, yeah. they're, they're not homosexual. They just, yeah. and there's nothing wrong if they were. But it's like, that's just their custom, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I realized that I had some programs of like, what this, like, what am I making this mean? Holding hands, two men. What am I making this fucking mean? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't yeah. mean you don't like women. It doesn't mean you don't like whatever, you know? So that's something that happened to me too. And that challenged my masculine stance when yeah. I was living there. I did a, a mushroom ceremony with a friend, Silas Sybin, a couple years back, dear friend of mine. And, and man, he broke down. He was, he was sobbing and broke down. It was so beautiful. And, and, and what he kept saying over and over is, I just, I want to be touched. I just want to be touched. It wasn't, it wasn't sexual. He's like, I just want to be touched. You know, and it was fucking so beautiful to see him break down. And it was heartbreaking because I know, same, I have that same programming, you know, guys, are, we're not supposed to touch each other, you know, and, and it was just really lovely to just sort of, you know, put my hand on his knee, on his back, hug him. And cause I need that too. I need yes. that too. So. Yeah, yeah bro. En energy doesn't discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. Like you put your hand on his back, energy is going to flow through his back and it's going to come back to you. And same thing if a woman yeah. put his hand on his back, it's just this physical touch uh one of my friends here he's this big old german guy and i see him once or twice a week 
throughout the whole quarantine thing and all this, I was like, we were like, we agreed. It was like, you know what? Whenever we see each other, we're going to hug each other. And we've been, I've been getting a masculine, a big masculine hug from this German. Mm. And I'm telling you, like, that's, that's literally supported my process and all this because I've been alone. Yeah. I haven't been getting touches besides a, a massage and a temescal and different things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get hugs like that. So getting a hug from a brother, I was like, yeah. yo, this is medicine. Yeah. Bam. Awesome, man. All right. We'll table the other conversation about working with men and it's, it's, we'll table that for another time. Let's finish up with the five key takeaways finale. This has been fantastic, man. I've so enjoyed this. Can't wait to share this with people, but let's finish up with these five key takeaways. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, man. Number one, key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer our listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Slowing down and listening to yourself. Like if you buy your woman flowers, you buy your partner flowers, your man doesn't matter, buy yourself flowers. Like whatever mm-hmm. you do to somebody, do it for yourself because uh, that's, that's what we need in this polarity with ourselves like as well. That. I like yeah. that. It's like training yourself to receive as well. I think it's, yeah, I, I feel that. Definitely feel that too. Yeah, I told you two days ago was my birthday. Three days last week, anyway, Monday was my birthday. And man, it's the day that so much love erupts in my direction. And you know, the, the social media, you get love bombed. It's really hard for me to receive. You know, the practice of just relaxing into that and allowing that is really powerful for me. Yeah, yeah. Just as for, for you men listening and also women, it's if somebody gives you something, even if you don't need it per se or want it, accept it. Like yeah. say thank you. Like feel what it feels like to receive. And then if you don't need it, you can give it to somebody else. But the thing is just receiving. And that's, that's what I want people, because this is what I do in my life. I had to train myself to do this. I had to train myself to say, oh, bam, that's a, that's great work you did on that, on that podcast with Brian. And then uh, it's like, oh yeah, I, I was rushing in it, you know, <laughs> eradicate the stories. Totally. Thank you. It was a great conversation with my yeah. man, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. All right. Beautiful, man. Number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend our listeners to learn more about. I say Jesus, man. I mm-hmm. say Jesus as somebody who's, as, as a figure, a man, a person. I used to be a practicing Christian for a little period of my life, and then I'm, I'm not anymore. But just the, what Jesus personifies has always been a role model for me, has been a deep role model in my life. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Number three, key resource your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year? My most inspiring book was actually Conversations with God. That oh, was like yeah. one of the OG books in oh, my yeah. life. I really, I really sparked some new thought in my life. And then any, anything to do with Alan Watts lectures gets, oh, yeah. me, gets my wheels churning. Dude, I like that. Yeah, I've actually I've been listening the last year. I've been incorporating more Alan Watts, little 10, 15-minute videos into my morning practice. Loving his wisdom, man. Oh, storytelling's amazing in his British accent with it, bro. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Good. Key investment in the last year, what's the best thing that you spent money on? And let's say under $1,000. Man, um, I would say uh, this retreat in Bali that I went to because I've been so much in like a, a teacher position over the last several years that I was like, I need to go to a retreat and just be mm. a student and just physically do it. I'm always a student in life and listening to things, but actually physically committing my money to somebody's program for five days. So mm-hmm. I went to a, a, a guru tantric meditation retreat in Bali and that changed everything for me. I don't have to hold everything that I think I'm, I'm holding. So yeah. that changed the game for me. Yeah. Thank you for that. Just a week ago, 
I spent about a thousand bucks on trainings myself, and I can't tell you how elated I've been since I did that. Feels so good, man. Yeah, it's so important. So many awesome people like us who created such beautiful things and also supporting them and their mission. That's what I realized too. I'm like, I'm investing for myself, but I'm also supporting them and their mission. How come I've been doing this more? I love it. I love investing. Bam, I have so thoroughly enjoyed this. Where can our listeners learn more about you and what you're up to? My biggest space that I, I do my most of my work with is Instagram. The handle is at Inner Light Warrior. One word, Inner Light really? Warrior. And uh, my website's brennandurrell.com. But yeah, Inner Light Warrior, come holler at me. I'm very active on there. I'm in the community with a lot of cool people like Brian, Preston Smiles, Prince EA, like a lot of people that are just awesome that I get to be a part of. So yeah, find me there. Inner Light Warrior on Instagram and his website. I'll put that uh, everything again in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast, including a link to buy some cacao, some heart opening, lover connection, chocolate love cacao. Yes. Bam, brother. Wish I could give you a big mm, white man, German man. I'm part German, French, Irish, Puerto Rican, all this hug. It would be, I would be beautiful, man. Give me some of that chocolate love from you over there. Brother, so good to see you. Good to talk with you. Yeah, we'll do this again, man. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for what you're doing. This has been the most enjoyable podcast and conversation that I've had in this way. So thank you, man. It was, it didn't feel like over an hour. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't feel like we were... So, so thank you so much for what you do, man. I, I connect with the person leading, not the technology. So thank you for this, man. Yeah, likewise, brother. Thank you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to Brendan Durrell. Bam! My friend, bam. Find Brendan on Instagram at Inner Light Warrior or on his website, brendandurrell.com. It's B-R-E-N-D-E-N. D-U-R-E-L-L, like the battery.com. Of course, that link and his Instagram page and any other resources, including how to order cacao. Uh, I've already placed my order, already received it. It's amazing. I'm a fan. Uh, all of that uh, will be also be in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. Again, it's brianreeves.com. Remember Brian with a Y. Reeves. R-E-E-V-E-S dot com slash men this way podcast, uh, as well as other episodes, which you can listen to and find on any platform at uh, the same website, brianreeves.com slash men this way podcast. If you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or, and this is my preference, please, you really help out this podcast and future listeners as well. Please write a review so that you too can lead more men and many women too who listen to this show this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I read all of the reviews for better or for worse. So far, they're all for the better and I really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, definitely big help. So appreciated. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, Keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.